Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store. Just search Ketchikan Naz. And also, you know, pray for the children's Naz. church leaders because... Thanks for visiting. Hope the word of God... We've sugar this morning somehow. Adults, if you are staying with us this morning, and we're glad you are doing that, you may grab your Bibles, and if you don't have one, there's one in the seats uh, in front of you or underneath you. You can flip to the book of Philippians. It is uh, in the New Testament, kind of closer to the end of the New Testament, a little tiny book, and if you don't know where it is, there's a table of contents in the front. If you uh, don't own a Bible and you are using one of the Bibles under the seats in front of you, feel free to keep that as our gift to you. We would love for you to underline it, highlight it, take it home with you, and use it on a regular basis. So consider that our gift if you don't have one. So as you are finding your uh, uh, finger bookmark in Philippians, we are studying the book of Philippians. We have been the whole month of January, and we have been going through a series called Five Words. So we've been working our way through the five words in Philippians that God would speak to us for kind of guiding and shaping our hearts for the year 2017, and perhaps we would hope even further. So we've looked at the word only, we've looked at the word do, we've looked at the word no, and because this is just a map on where we're going, guess where we are today? Think. Think. Oh, you guys are smart. Okay, so we are on the word think today, and we're going to find that in Philippians chapter 4. Um, But before we really dive into it, like always, I want to ask us some questions, right? I want us to think about some things before we dive into the scripture. Um, Again, don't answer these questions out loud, okay? Just in your brain, roll over these questions and really honestly evaluate what the answers might be. First question for you guys this morning. How many of you, and I'm asking myself this question, I've asked myself these questions, so I'm I'm with you guys. How many of you would want all of your thoughts, all of the time, broadcast for everyone around you to hear? I said don't answer these out loud. Okay? Okay, now don't answer this one out loud, please. But why not? (laughs) You're all answering in your brain, right? This is good. Okay, we're with each other, okay? Now, let's go a little bit deeper. Does anybody oversee your thought life? Don't answer these out loud. Don't get in the habit of answering these out loud. Just you and Jesus in your brain, okay? Okay, thought life, okay? So, who keeps your thought life in check? Or... Is your thought life in check? And by what standards do you judge that your thought life is or is not in check? Right? Does your thought life cause you to focus on exalting Christ? Or does your thought life generally cause you to think about what the next step for your day is and what the problems at hand are and the people that you are struggling with and the car is broken and dishwasher overflows and the kid has lice and all of these things that happen. Just talking out of my own life this weekend. (laughs) And all of the things that happen, right? Within the span of 10 minutes, does your thought life go there or does your thought life strive to exalt Christ? Does your thought life lead you to lead others to Christ or 
does your thought life be so distracted that leading people into the presence of God isn't something that is even on the radar? Um, do you sin in your thought life, in the private spaces of your mind, but you act differently than you think, right? So your brain and your actions are not in alignment. And where does that leave you with God's work? Do your thoughts affect the way that you walk with Jesus on a daily basis, for good or for bad? Okay, so today's word is think, right? And I'm going to put it up there, think. Today's word is think. And Paul, in his word to us, from the Holy Spirit, through Paul's hand, to us, down through the generations, wants us to think about our thoughts. Like that seems like a paradox or a... I don't know, like a weird loophole in time and space. But we are, according to Scripture, to think about our thoughts critically and to challenge the way that we think so that we might be in line with God's Word. Now, before we read, or maybe we'll read it now and then we'll read it later. Let's do that. Okay, it's one verse this morning. Try not to go, like, overboard because I think this one in one verse contains so much that if we really want to think about it, we just got to have the one verse, okay? Um, if you'd like to stand for the reading of the word, now would be a good opportunity. Philippians 4, verse 8. Y'all there? Yeah. Philippians 4, verse 8. And I'm in the right book of the Bible. I have triple checked <laughs> this week. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. This is the word of the Lord for you this morning, and you may be seated. All right, so having read that verse, how do y'all do? Eh? Right? Okay, I'm hearing the meh. Some, some chuckles, not out loud, right? <laughs> right, okay, so when we read scripture and we go, this is God's living word for us today, and it tells us exactly what we are supposed to be thinking, it doesn't say do that some of the time, it doesn't say do that when you feel like it, it says these are the things which we are to think about, this is the way our mind is supposed to work then if we are honest with ourselves and answering those questions that we did earlier, and I think we were based on the chuckles and the me constantly reminding you to shh, don't say it out loud, um, then, then perhaps we must find a way to align ourselves with God's word. Is that not right this morning? So um, as I was really working on this one for my own life, um, I started to wonder, what does God's word in whole say about thought? Not just this one passage, but overall, what is the... Theology, the understanding of God's word on thought from the beginning to the end of Scripture. So we're going to go on a little journey to understand what God would say to us about our thought life, okay? Not just what we should be thinking, but the overall idea of our thought life, okay? First and foremost, and if you want to jot notes down, I'm going to throw some scriptures at you on the screen, and these are really good. This is going to challenge you if you allow God's word to saturate you this morning, okay? So here is the reality of our thought life according to God's word. First and foremost, our thoughts are bent 
towards the unholy, the impure, and the unjust. I'm not making that up. Genesis 6-5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great, and every intention of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. Let that resonate with you. From God's heart to yours this morning, not the words of Peter, but the words of God, our thoughts are bent towards the unholy and the impure and the unjust, towards selfish things and towards self-preservation only continually, always. The nature of our mind is fallen, right? And so our, if we are bent one direction, we are naturally bent towards sin. We are naturally bent, and we think about that in terms of actions. We don't often think about that in terms of thoughts, but this verse tells us the intentions of the thoughts is bent towards evil continually and always. And so we must realize from the very beginning of creation, from the very early pages of Scripture, from the very origins of human history, we are bent towards evil in our thoughts. Our thoughts do not necessarily begin with, how can I glorify God? Okay? We must recognize that. So now that we understand what God's word says about the quality of our thoughts, we must recognize what God's thoughts are. Isaiah 55, 8. God speaking. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Amen? Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Which means, it continues, my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Meaning, more full of glory and more exalted than ours. So he is up here in holiness and righteousness. And we are down here, bent towards evil only continually, always. Right? Okay? So that just kind of leaves me feeling, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, if you only stop there, you're like, well, yeah. What am I going to do? I'm, I'm a horrible, evil sinner, and God's holier than I am. Now what? Okay? So let's continue. If God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and he is the perfect example of truth and justice and purity and selflessness and humility and all those qualities that Paul was talking about earlier, well, then let's continue. So hopefully there's some hope in this for us. Hebrews 4.12-13. Right? The word of God... Um, not just what he audibly speaks, but this. And we were just talking about this in small group the other night, about the word of God speaking to us. Um, but sometimes we just read the words on the page and we forget that this is the voice of God to us, okay? They're not stale words on a page. This is as if, when you open this, God speaks audibly to you because this is the word of God, right? So the word of God says... It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, pierces to the division of, we always say, joint and marrow, right? But we skip over the part that says soul and spirit, right? It is sharp enough to divide your soul and your spirit. What is that division? Anybody know? I don't, okay? <laughs> I don't got any idea. But I do know that the soul and the spirit are somehow divided, and God's word gets right up in there and divides it. And of joint and marrow. Okay. And no creature is hidden from his sight. Which means all of the thoughts that you have that are bent towards the unholy, the impure, the unjust, the selfish, the unrighteous, the self-preservation. God knows them. 
You can't hide them from him. Nobody else may know them, right? They may be in the deepest, darkest recesses of that corner of your mind. And when you think it, you even go, oh, I know that's not right. And you shut it to the back, right? Okay? But you're not hiding it from God, okay? God knows what our thoughts are. Every single thought you have ever had, and I just want you to sit with that for a moment. Every thought you have ever thunk, think, had, whatever, okay? I don't thunk should be a word. I'm just going to put it out there. Hey, we're going to own that. Every thought that you have ever thunk, okay, God knows. And his word, living and active, speaks to the deepest recesses of our thinking and lays our hearts and our minds bare. This verse continues that we are laid bare before our creator to his scrutiny and his grace, okay? So we might think unholy things, and he knows them even if we don't want to admit them, but we are laid bare before his scrutiny and his grace, which is good news, right? Okay, now, it continues in Matthew 5, 28. Lest we want to find a loophole, Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who even looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, this isn't just speaking about adultery, though that's the example he gives. What he is saying is, if you think the sinful thought, then you have as if already committed that sinful action. So sin is not necessarily action. Sin is thought. Your thought life can be sinful, right? So it's not just the things that you do with your hands and the words that you speak with your mouth. Your sins are also found in your thoughts. But we don't want to think about that, right? Because if nobody else knows it, then we must be okay. Jesus wants us to know we are accountable to our thought life before him because he knows it all, right? And sin is nothing but offending the living God and his holiness standards. And we can do that in our mind without ever doing it in action. Here's the next one. Revelation 2.23. All of the churches, Jesus speaking, will know that I am he who searches the mind and the heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. Does that make anyone nervous? It doesn't make me nervous because I know Jesus has forgiven my sins, right? But to know that one day I will stand before the throne of God face to face with Jesus and give an account not just for my actions, but also for the content of my heart, and the content of my mind from the moment I was born until the moment I died. And there are phrases and phases that I have gone through I'm not pleased with, and I know Jesus isn't either. And while they are covered by the grace of God, they will also be revealed by the scrutiny of the face of Jesus, right? So we must understand that one day what is in here is going to be laid bare, and it's not just that we can try and hide it. We will stand face to face with our Lord and Savior, and he will say, hey, remember when? And we'll go, yeah. It is forgiven, but there's a weight there that I don't want to, I just, you know, 
the less I think sinful thoughts, the better I will look forward to the day of glory. Amen? Right. Okay? God tells us that rather than wait for that day, we can lay ourselves before him now and be made new. Revelation. Oh, wait. There we go. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is found in Christ, which is why I have hope, he is a new creation, and the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Which means, praise be to God in heaven, right? He has entered into my life. I have asked for forgiveness of my sins in thought, heart, deed, word, action. Okay? He has made me new from the inside out. I am a new creation, which means the thought life I had prior to knowing Christ is now different than the thought life I have after knowing Christ. Right? And we talked about this last week using the fancy word sanctification, which means the process of ever aggressively seeking, striving for knowledge of Christ, relationship with Christ, being made in the image of Christ, being transformed into the likeness of him. And so, because I am a new creation in Christ, he is transforming my mind and my heart and my actions and my passions. And we are made new, not just on the outside in glorification one day when I'm six foot tall, right, with muscles, but on the inside now. The kingdom of heaven lives on the inside of me where Jesus resides. I am a temple. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the temple of the Holy Spirit likes to have holiness where he resides. And so he is in the active process, as we submit to him, of making our thoughts holy before him. We can be made new. And... Scripture tells us we are made new when we pray this prayer in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. You guys pray this prayer ever? This is a, right, this is a prayer. You got to be ready to pray it. Because when you invite God, and he's not a bully, he doesn't force himself on you. But when you invite God to partake in... All of who you are, the good and the bad, the ugly, the messy, everything. When you invite God in there, he will come in there and he will search you and he will try your thoughts and he will go, these ones glorify me and I love them. Please continue doing this. But this pile over here, we got a little bit of work to do. And he will start making those things feel uncomfortable. And he will start making those things feel strange. And he will start heaping a little bit of Holy Spirit guilt on you for thinking those thoughts, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? You can say yes and amen to this part, okay? Because your pastor is too, okay? And then you realize that does not align with the word of God and the holiness of God. And therefore, I need to repent of those things. And when we do, glory to God and good for us and mankind, right? So we must learn to pray this prayer to invite God into our hearts and minds. And then we must learn from that point forward the practice and the discipline of controlling our mind and bringing our thoughts into submission of Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit. Here's the verse that says that, 2 Corinthians 10.5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that is raised against the knowledge of God, Right? And we take captive every thought and submit it to Christ Jesus. You guys ever have those thoughts that pop in your mind? They're sinful, they're judgmental, they're whatever they are, but they're not glory to God. And then we think about them and then we move on with life. But do you ever have those thoughts and go, no, 
Lord, I can't think that way. Help me not think that way. We must make that our discipline. We must take every thought captive. Because if we allow the practice of thinking those thoughts, we are practicing sin in our mind, right? We don't want to do that. Like, I don't go to the store and practice stealing things, right? Because it's sinful, right? Yeah, okay. I don't practice yelling at my wife because that would be sinful, right? I don't practice kicking the dog, right? Because that would be sinful, right? So why do we allow ourselves to practice judgmental thoughts, practice angry thoughts, practice sin in our head, which is ultimately going to affect our heart, Jesus tells us, and it's ultimately going to affect our words and our actions. We are literally practicing sin secretly so that one day we can do sin with our actions. Ooh, that's a bad, bad thing. We should not do that, okay? We are to take every thought captive. You are responsible for every thought, every thought captive before Jesus. Now, Paul has told us that we are only, first word, only to live as a citizen of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? We are not citizens here. We are citizens there. So we are to practice that on a daily basis. And the first thing he told us about that is we are to do nothing from selfishness, right? And then we are to pursue knowing him in an ever-increasing way. And then he tells us we are to think, to have the mind of Christ. And he lays that out for us in Philippians 4.8. I'm going to read it again for you. Think about what we've just talked about. And now hear this verse again. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Okay? True. Let's start at the basic here. Let's dive into these words, okay? Whatever is true is the first thing he tells us to think about, which means based on, focused in, built upon the truth, which is, we know from Scripture, the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? He is the way, the truth, right, and the life. So, if we are to think about what is true, our thoughts should be focused on, based in, built upon the gospel of Jesus. First and foremost, primarily saturated with the knowledge that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior who came to earth, walked a perfect life, healed some people, did some great miracles, went to the cross willingly, died in our place for our sins, was buried for three days, rose again, and all who believe on him will be saved. That is the gospel truth, and that is the primary thing that all of our thoughts should be based on. If you don't think about anything else in your life, that's the one thing you should focus on. That's why Paul started it off with, right? We are to let no falsehoods take root in our mind, which is why it says... Destroy any argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Our very first thoughts are to be focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth. And anything that stands in opposition to Christ and his kingdom, we are to deny them and object to them and take those thoughts captive and put those thoughts in submission to the truth and allow the truth to reign in our minds and hearts. 
right? The second thing that Paul tells us is honorable. Whatever is honorable, right? Um, this word means majestic and sacred. I mean, what do you picture when you think of the word honor or honorable? Anybody? Noble. Noble, right? In some translations, it does say noble. What kind of mental image do you get? What kind of person or character? Military, Military right? I go back to, the, like, the knights of the round table or, you know, this chivalrous kind of do-good attitude that is majestic and strong and defends the weak and, you know, that kind of idea. Whatever is majestic and sacred and it is a person with um, personal and a moral quality that is unrivaled, right? No hint of impropriety. Thoughts that are distinct from common or unholy thoughts. And when you think about God, you think he is honorable, right? He sits on his throne in splendor and majesty, and his ways are higher than our ways, right? And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and he is honorable, noble, depending on your translation. Hey, we are to have honorable thoughts. We are to have thoughts like that of the most holy God. Honorable thoughts, right? Distinct from unholy things. We are to think the things that God would think. And we are called to do that. To have the mind of Christ, right? So it's also a command and a promise, right? God will help us do this, but we are to strive for this. Honor of thoughts. And just. We are to think just thoughts. Which means our thoughts are to be aligned with the justice and the righteousness of Christ. Not our justice, not our sense of what's right and wrong, not our sense of righteousness that we earn, but God's sense of justice, which is far more complex and right than ours. And God's righteousness, which is far more worthy and holy than ours. We are to seek God's justice and God's righteous standards for this world and our life, which means we must understand his actions of justice, which also include his grace when we don't often want to give it. And when we think just thoughts, sometimes that means we need to forgive people like he would forgive, right? Sometimes it means we need to hold people accountable where we need to hold people accountable, but it's not where we want to assert our own standards, right? Just thoughts. Next on the list is pure. This word implies both a ritual purity and a personal integrity. This is thought and action in one word, pure. It's the mix of thought and action. And um, what we believe ultimately determines what we do, right? So pure thoughts lead to a pure life. Impure thoughts lead to a impure life. If you practice, you will do it. The old adage, practice, right, it's incorrect. Perfect practice makes perfect, right? You can practice something imperfectly and you're only going to do it imperfectly, right? So when you're practicing something and you're creating that muscle memory, that mental memory, that spiritual memory, you want to practice it in a holy way, perfectly, right? God says, be perfect for I am perfect, right? A promise 
and a command. Okay. Pure. We are to have pure thoughts. We're to have lovely thoughts. Lovely. I like this one. I'm a visual guy. I mean, I like colors and shapes, and I like doing graphic design, and I just love looking at things that make me think about how was that put together, and how did they do that, and look at the colors, and just how God made me, right? So this word speaks to me because the word lovely is not a moral word here. It, it has no, no moral concept to it. It is not a moral word. It's an aesthetic word. It's a looks word. It means we are to think on the beauty and the majesty of God's creation, right? He made this immensely beautiful world and universe around us. Did you guys see the sunrise this morning? Oh my goodness, it was beautiful. The colors were rich, and just oranges and pinks, and there's some purple in there. And, oh man, it was beautiful, right? We are too, according to this word in here, lovely. We are to focus our thoughts on the beauty and the majesty of God's creation, to enjoy it, to soak it in, to find pleasure in the mysteries of the stars that shine at night, and the sun that comes up every morning, and the moon that reflects its light, and the way the water comes in with the tide and out, and the glint of the fish when it's on the fishing pole, and the majesty of the moose that you didn't hit when you were driving down the road, right? <laughs> and you're to go, Lord, it's beautiful. I mean, it's just amazing. And the northern lights and everything that we get. We live in God's beautiful country, amen? There's no better state than Alaska. I will say that. Okay, It's beautiful. We are to think on lovely things. If you don't have anything else to think about, look out the window and go, Jesus, this is just so beautiful. You did so good when you did this. Okay? Right? We ought to do that more often. We forget. That everything that is in space, and I'm stealing something from Louis Giglio here, okay? Everything that is in space that we can see and everything that goes far beyond what we can see, these giant burning balls of gas that dwarf our sun by an immense amount, right? That we can't see with the naked eye, they exist to speak the glory of God, right? And then how big they are and how glorious they are, and then we think how small we are, and God says... You are my poem. You are lovely. You are my chosen people in creation. Right? Something significant there. We can glory in the loveliness of God's creation. So if all else fails, look at something pretty out the window. If you have nothing nice to say, say something nice about God's creation. Okay? How about this one? Commendable. That was a long word. Commendable. It means winsome. Um, which also means attractive or um, uh, a good aroma, something that uh, brings someone closer, right? So this word means that our thoughts, which become words and actions, should cause others to be attracted to Christ, the Christ that we love so much, the truth that we understand and think about. Our words and our thoughts are to create a pattern in our life which leads people to be attracted to Christ, not indifferent or worse, repel. Right? So what we practice in here comes out here. 
And so if we practice words that are commendable and give glory to God, and we practice reading scripture and speaking it in our minds, and we practice saying good things about God, life is difficult, but you are so good, right? And we practice those things in our mind. Then when we speak like we think, which will happen, okay? You will speak attractive and winsome things about Christ. And it will attract people to Jesus with the gospel testimony that you have, rather than, oh, horrors of horrors as Christians, we say things that make God sound indifferent or uncaring, or at, or at the absolute worst, we say something or act in such a way that repels people from the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are to practice things that are commendable and win, winsome. Um, our life is like a cup okay, full of water or coffee. Right? Well, imagine you are holding a paper cup in your hand, okay? And it's filled to the top with water, okay? You got that mental image in your mind? Now squeeze it. What happens? Water comes out, right? So that is your life. All of the thoughts inside, and when you speak or act, that's a squeeze. And whatever is inside that cup is going to come outside that cup, okay? And sometimes you can't put it back in the cup. Let's just be honest, right? Once it's out, Right? Sometimes you just want to go and suck it back in, but there's no undo button. I love Google, Gmail. You send something and it gives you about 10 seconds to go, oh no, undo, right, before it sends it. I like that. I don't have that on this, right? What comes out comes out, and then you're like, oh no, okay? Practice winsome, commendable speech in your mind before you say it, which also means sometimes before you have a conversation with someone, practicing things that will glorify God in that conversation. Moral excellence, praiseworthiness, okay, praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise. This is the sum up the list category. He's listed six things, but these two come as a, a junk drawer category at the end of the list from Paul. This is, and I love Paul, he does this in a various places in scriptures when he uses a word at the end of a list and he's like, okay, I've listed some stuff, but I know you're all thoughts and minds and I know you're going to find a loophole. So now I'm going to give you a junk drawer term, and anything you can come up with falls under this. No excuses. I've covered everything. This is what he's saying, okay? Whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, summing up the list in case you try and find that loophole and say, well, I can think about such and such because it wasn't under one of those things, okay? We are to think according to the highest moral standard. Your thoughts, Paul says, should always, 100% of the time, Bring glory and honor to God. Doesn't matter what you think, that should bring glory and honor to God because he hears every thought as words loud and clear from your heart to his throne. From the child of God to the father God. Every thought. So it should always bring glory to him. And if all else fails and you've got nothing nice to say, your mama always said if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? But you're not, not saying it. It's just you're still thinking it, right? Let's go one step further. If you don't have anything nice to think, take that not nice thought captive, put it under Christ, open up your scripture, and read some praises, right? Sometimes you're going to want to read the verses that say, Lord Jesus, take my enemies and dash them on the rocks, right? Those are in scriptures, okay? And there's a time for righteous anger, right? 
But if your thoughts are not captive to Christ, then you need to open up to the Psalms where it says, Lord, I praise you in your glorious heavens. I extol you beyond all creation. You are worthy beyond worthy. Glory to you, amen, forever and ever and ever and always. And all of the creatures send glory and honor and praise. We want to read those words so that those things push other things away, right? So if you don't have anything nice to think, don't even think about speaking. Just start with reading God's word. You need to think on things that are praiseworthy, right? Those are the things God has called us to think about. That's hard. I'm not going to lie. This one was rough this week when I realized the standard by which God keeps my brain accountable. Um, so this morning, perhaps, the call to us is that we are only to think as a citizen of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our only job is to think as a citizen of the gospel. To bring every thought captive to Christ and for the glory of Christ. But the reality is, anybody want to say they're there right now? Okay, good. So we're not liars, which is a good step in the right direction. <laughs> None of us are fully there yet, right? The one day before God, we talked about this last week, we will stand before God in glory, right? And we will be made fully there in glorification before Jesus. And I'm so excited about the day where I don't have anything to be ashamed of anymore, right? But we're not there yet, which means every single one of us has some work to do with Jesus this morning. And perhaps even more accurately, every single one of us Jesus wants to do some work with, right? None of us are exempt from this. In fact, some of you might be going, Pastor, not me. No, I'm good today. And I would say, you can't say that. Jesus has some work to do with you today. Jesus has some work to do with me today, right? We all have thoughts that need to be worked out before the throne of God. So let me ask some questions. What area of your thought life is out of alignment with God's character? God's standards, Christ's call on your life. What area of your thought life needs to be taken captive for Christ's glory and your good and perhaps the good of those around you? Is it truth? Do you need the truth of God to richly dwell within you in such a way that it permeates every aspect of your life? Do you need to find confidence in the fact that God has forgiven you of your sins, even the thoughts that you've had this morning before you got to church, right? Do you need to dwell in the truth of Christ and let it soak into you? And John Piper, an excellent preacher um, in our day and age who preaches the truth so unashamedly, and I, I admire him for his voice in our world today. And he says this, preach the gospel to yourself daily, right? Don't forget what God has done for you. So perhaps your thoughts need to be centered on the truth of the gospel so that you understand it, believe it, live in it, trust in it, and then live from it, right? Or perhaps it is justice is the area that God wants to work with you on. Laying down those petty debates and those grudges that are held for years over those family members, things that have happened, bygone and things that have gone by. And, and you just need to leave justice to God. And forgive people. And walk forward in grace and truth. Because God's word tells us that he alone is the one who exacts justice. And if we are withholding forgiveness from people, we are saying, 
Jesus died for their sins, but I don't think that's good enough. And we don't have the right to do that. God's justice prevails, not ours. So maybe it's justice this morning. But maybe it's purity. Maybe your thoughts are unholy. Maybe there's something in your life that you have not admitted to anyone, not even to God, maybe not even to yourself, that is unholy and sinful and that separates you from God. And it's not necessarily that you want to do that, but you're struggling with that. Maybe laying that before God this morning and saying, search me and find that out and speak to my heart and lay that before you and by the truth of God, you will forgive me of that and help me not live like that. But maybe it's commendability. Allowing your thoughts to be focused on winning others to Christ. You're not so caught up in your own self-preservation in your day-to-day so that you can focus on leading other people and having those conversations that draw people to Christ. There are many areas of our thought life that could be brought into submission. And God is so gracious to us that when he speaks, he doesn't go, here are the millions of ways in which you have disappointed me. No, he doesn't do that. What he does is, I love you so much, my child. And I can see all the ways you're striving for me. Can we tweak this one thing? It will start here. And if you let me tweak this, it will start a chain reaction in your heart. And as you submit this to me, you'll find you'll want to submit something else to me. And sooner than later, you'll find a month from now, two months from now, six years from now, you are not who you were because God is sanctifying you. He is making you like him. And you are one step closer to glory now. Is not that good? But the only way that happens is if we as individual believers say, I need God to search me. And so this morning, as we close in prayer, I'm going to offer the altar. Not that I need to, but sometimes I think I should remind people. This is a good place to come and pray. And it doesn't mean that you're a horrible, sinful person. And nobody in this room is going to think thoughts like, I wonder what they did. Because if so, that thought needs to be taken captive to Christ. Right? Some people might be coming forward to praise God. Give glory to him for the sunrise and the life and the breath that is in them. Right? Some other people might be coming forward to say, Lord, I have some areas that need to be revealed. None of my business, none of your business, why people come forward. Except that we go so glad someone's coming forward to talk to Jesus. You don't have to come forward to talk to Jesus. Right? You can do it in your seat. But sometimes I think there's something very special about an action that confirms what we know to be true in our mind. And so I would say this, don't deny the Holy Spirit this morning. Don't have a hard heart like it says over and over and over and over again in Hebrews when Paul's like, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And he says it like, a, what, 10 times, I think, in that. Because like we hear his voice, but we harden our hearts. And so, you know, um, if you hear his voice this morning, come and pray, Right? And if you're feeling awkward about it, I would say don't. Maybe bring someone with you. But if it's going to hinder you to come forward and you're not going to do it, do it in your seat. Right? And if you want someone to pray with you, I will be down here. You just give me a little tap on the shoulder. Okay? And I will pray with you. And I don't need to know what you're praying about, but I will pray for you. Because we all have things we got to pray about. This morning, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Pray the prayer, search me, God. Try me and know my thoughts so that our thought life brings glory to God all of the time and leads people to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, um, we live in such a world 
that it is so easy for our thought life to go all the way off track. Oh, especially in this political climate where we are quick to judge people groups, political groups, friends and family. I'm gonna unfriend you on Facebook and I can't hang out with you and we think these things in our head and it leads to actions which do not glorify you. And this morning, Lord, we don't need to pray anything complex. Your word tells us something very simple. Search me, God, and know my mind. Try me and know my thoughts. And if there is anything in me that is unlike you, reveal it to me and heal it so that I can walk like you. Help me, Lord, this morning have your mind. Dwell richly in me this morning, Father. Fill me with your Holy Spirit in such a way that it pushes out all of those other things. Create in me a new heart so that I can walk as a member of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I struggle, tap me on the shoulder so that I can learn the discipline of taking those thoughts captive for you. That we might, as a body of believers, mutually doing this before you, Lord, this morning, might bring you an immense amount of glory. That even in some of the hearts and minds of us here today, we might, for the first time, trust you for salvation that we find ourselves standing on truth, unshakable, that your, your spirit might make us pure and holy. Lord, we give you the glory because it is yours alone. We admit we have tried to take it and we give it back this morning. We stand in your presence. Maybe we kneel in your presence. Maybe we gotta lay face down in your presence this morning. Whatever the posture of our body, Lord, it is the posture of our hearts that matter the most. Receive our hearts, Father. Make us like you for your glory and the good of mankind so that your kingdom may expand here and now forever and ever. All God's children said,